Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Happy day after Monday, day before hump day. Uh, we have a great Tuesday show planned for you. Royce White, Delano Squires, Jimmy Michelle, Steve Kim, all going to be in the house. We're going to talk some job Morant uh, to start the show. Before I, I, I get too busy, though, I want to remind you of your job. I'm going to sit here and host a very entertaining, provocative, insightful show. I'm going to make you sound smarter at your next dinner party or at the bowling alley or wherever you're at, at the garage, on your job, at lunch break, whatever. I'm going to make you sound smarter and more insightful than all of your peers by breaking down these different topics in a way that no one else will. All I need you to do in return is hit the likes. If you're watching over YouTube, we need 5,000 likes on this show. It's not a big ask. It takes you less than a second to hit that like button and to help me fight the algorithm. Then I need you to go to the comments and leave, write a little message. What you think of the show? What you think of my hair? What you think of my jacket? What do you think of my, <clears throat> can you guys see this? My, I got my dog tag. I've, I've been waiting. I'd ordered this online. I don't know if you guys can see uh, my dog tag, but I'm very excited about it. I finally, and I want your thoughts because I think we're going to make them available to you as well. I'm going to get all the guys here in Nashville and our contributors. I'm going to get them Fearless Army dog tag. I haven't decided completely on the style. I like this one, but I need your thoughts. Hop in the comments and tell me what you think of the dog tags. And, you know, if this is something you'd be interested in. Oh, Christian's moving the camera closer to get a good look at this. Uh, there's words on the front and back. On the front, it says Fearless Army. On the back, it says bearing witness requires courage, not perfection. So front and back dog tags. I think I'm going to get a separate dog tag for roll call as, as well. But get in the comments. Tell me what you think. Just something you, I want everybody in the Fearless Army at some point to have one of these dog tags. I'm going to get the guys that, uh, you know, work with me here on the show. I'm going to get them their dog tags once we're all comfortable. I just got this last night, showed it to the guys. They told me they liked it. Uh, but anyway, leave a comment on that. If you're on Apple, hit that five-star review. Write a little comment in there, a review of the show. Tell me what you think of the dog tags. What you think? Well, I guess if you're listening on Apple, you can't see the dog tag. But what do you think of the whole idea of dog tags? I love them. We're going to, particularly at the roll call event, we're definitely going to be have these available. For those of you that come to Nashville, get your official dog tags. So when you go home, you have this reminder hanging around your neck about who you actually serve. It ain't me. It ain't this show. It's the big guy upstairs. Uh, that's what this dog tag symbolizes. It's just a reminder. You don't have to be perfect to bear witness to his power, grace, mercy, majesty. Uh, so do all of that. Hit the likes. I probably, you know what? Now that I think maybe I want 6,000 likes on today's show. Get busy in the likes. Get busy in the comments. Uh, I also want to tell you guys, love Love today, Tuesday, because I get to talk about uh, my favorite mission attached to this show, and that's our desire to save babies. We support preborn.com because we're in the pro life fight. We, the Blaze and Preborn, have partnered together with me and this show to try to save 50,000 babies' lives in 2023. 
Preborn has already saved more than 200,000 babies' lives uh, in the existence of preborn.com. They provide women who are considering an abortion the magical ultrasound that introduces that mother, that expectant mother, to her baby in the womb with an ultrasound. You can see the image. You can hear the heartbeat. When a woman sees that image, when that woman hears that heartbeat, it connects her to the baby. And more times than not, about 70, 80% of the time, she will then choose life. And that's when preborn steps in and starts providing her the support, care, and materials she needs to get through the first two years of that pregnancy and life outside the womb. So preborn, all the money actually goes towards ultrasounds. They're just $28 for a single ultrasound. Five ultrasounds cost $140. All you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Jason or hit pound 250 and say the keyword baby, pound 250, keyword baby. You can join me and these other fearless soldiers that have given money and continue to give money. I now have a monthly deal that I do with Preborn as well as sometimes I just catch the feeling and I give Preborn extra money. You need to be doing all that. And then what I want you to do, because Preborn is going to send you nice follow-up emails, but I need you to email me personally at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Tell me that you've joined the preborn fight and you've supported this organization. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good about what we're doing with this show. Love this partnership with preborn. Need you to love it as much as I love it, or even more than I love it. All right, uh, let me get down to uh, entertaining you uh, with today's show. And I want to start, <clears throat> we're going to start today's show talking about Ja Morant. John Morant, uh, ESPN, has reported that there's no timetable for his return. He's seeking counseling down in Florida. Counseling. I find that very interesting for the issues that John Morant has. Counseling in Florida is going to fix it. Royce White's going to join us shortly here and help me unpack this whole counseling issue because I'm not sure if counseling is going to fix it. I think uh, John Morant has an identity issue that many young athletes have and many young people have now that America has turned hostile to a biblical worldview. And I see John Morant as someone who is embracing the programming and the identity that the basketball world and Nike and professional sports has given him. I want to start here by playing a video of the theme song and what goes on inside the arena. I think it's called FedEx Forum in Memphis is where the Memphis Grizzlies play their home games. And, and so you've seen the pictures of Ja Morant. We talked about him yesterday inside the strip club, surrounded by chicken wings and cash money everywhere, a stripper on top of him. He's shirtless, all tatted up. And, and you're just thinking to yourself, how did he get here? And, 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 and then you think about all the other issues he's had with the, with the you know, live streaming, the gun inside the strip club, the, the altercation with the 17-year-old boy in his backyard where he comes out and flashes a gun and intimidates that kid, to uh, the issue with the Indiana Pacers officials where they felt like John Morant and his crew flashed a red laser light like they were 
potentially going to shoot somebody inside of his car to the problems with the mall security. Ja Morant has seemingly gone crazy, seemingly, and the NBA and the Memphis Grizzlies have sent him down to Florida for counseling. I'm not sure if he needs the counseling, though. I think he's doing what basketball has instructed him to do. Listen to the music and the theme song of the Memphis Grizzlies. This gets played virtually every home game inside FedEx Forum uh, Arena when the Grizzlies play. It's called Whoop That Trick. I think we have a highlight of this. That's their arena. That's the atmosphere. I want to give you a small taste of the lyrics from the song Whoop That Trick. The song came out, I believe, in 2005. It was part of the Hustle and Flow movie. Uh, there's a rapper named Al Capone, Capone spelled with a K. He's from Memphis that, that made the song. This is what's playing inside the Memphis Grizzlies arena, and we're wondering how... Ja Morant lost his mind and why he's behaving in what appears to be this thuggish way when he comes from a pretty good family. Here's just a taste of the lyrics. You effing with a street N-word from the gutter pimp tight slash drug dealer. Born and raised in the M, Memphis, Tennessee. Before it's, dead, before it's said and done, you bitches gonna remember me. That's, and again, if I went through all the lyrics, I'm, I'm bar none, let my nuts hang to the floor. So if you want some, this is your death wish. Better come correct, cause I came to break you off trick. I mean, if I went through all the lyrics, it's, it's, it's as gangster and as perverted and as obscene as any rap song out there. This is what the entire NBA and sports world has embraced. And this has been going on for the last 30, 35 years. This all started when uh, Nike had all that success with Air Jordan and Michael Jordan. Comes from a very good family, has a completely different profile and behavior and persona than Ja Morant and these modern athletes. Michael Jordan, nothing like these guys. But Air Jordans started, I believe, in 1985, and part of Nike's strategy was getting Air Jordans on the feet and in the hands of drug dealers and gang members and tastemakers inside the inner city. They used to have special sales or debuts of these shoes at foot lockers and shoe stores in the inner city or available to drug dealers in inner cities everywhere. It was all about getting street cred and becoming tastemakers and getting in the hands of tastemakers so that all the urban kids would want Air Jordan shoes. Nike has been at the forefront of this. And then when, when you flip over to the other side, Tiger Woods, another guy, good parents, Good kid, totally different persona than Ja Morant and the modern day athletes. But what Nike leaned into 
with Tiger Woods was racial idolatry. The guy called himself a Koblenasian, a mixture of Caucasian, Asian, and black, and something else maybe, but he called himself a Koblenasian. Nike forced Tiger Woods into the black role. They wanted to present him and package him as the Jackie Robinson of golf. You go watch, there was a great documentary, I think HBO did, on Tiger Woods where they, they had footage of the actual moments when Nike decided through commercials that they were going to uh, play the race card with Tiger Woods early in his career. And you could see Tiger and his dad uncomfortable with it, but this is what Nike wanted to do. Racial idolatry and gangster rap. That's what Nike felt was the key elements to elevate their brand. And so for the last 35 years, ever since Air Jordan took off and ever since uh, Tiger Woods became what Tiger Woods is, these, the images and the legacies of Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods have been perverted into gangster rap and racial idolatry. And Ja Morant and every young athlete wants that Nike money, wants that street credibility, wants that racial idolatry, worship. And so you go into any NBA arena, any NFL stadium, you go to any of their practices, facilities, you go to any college venue, you go to anything related to youth sports as it relates to football and basketball, and it is drenched in gangster rap culture. It's drenched in racial idolatry. And we wonder why John Morant has chosen the path that he has chosen. It's no mystery here. He's doing exactly what he's been programmed to do and what every young athlete has been programmed to do. This dude has an identity crisis. There's what he was raised to be, and there's what the culture has made him to be. And so you have all of these black athletes obsessed with tattoos, hairstyles, hair color, and fashion. They're like little teenage girls, just obsessed with their looks, hair, hair color, fashion, tats, they're Instagram models. I can't remember who the, I can't remember the name of the original big booty Instagram model that became famous, but the butt, a woman's butt is the biggest thing on Instagram. Followed by, no, it's not Brittany Renner, but followed by, followed by men bare chested, tatted up, with little hairdos, wearing their hair like uh, Barney Rubble's wife or Wilma Flintstone's hair, buns and dreads and cornrows and whatever, and putting all this different color in, obsessed with their looks. We've turned male athletes into Instagram models. Feminine energy just running wild. And so it's no mystery. This guy has an identity crisis because we've given him one. 
We've drowned out his parents like we've drowned out all parents and the culture. The culture created by Nike and the sports world is in control of our young people. And there's no mystery to why they're misbehaving. There's no mystery as to why this kid would go into a nightclub and drop $50,000, put it all over the floor, order up a bunch of chicken wings and french fries, take his shirt off, and have some girl come dance naked in front of him. And, and, and comfortable knowing that this is all on for surveillance. Anybody with a brain knows this is all on surveillance. He wants to be seen this way. I believe Nike and the NBA want him to see himself this way. All of this to me feels like a marketing scheme. He's down in some kind of MK Ultra counseling session right now being perfected and his comeback story, he's just all gonna be more interesting after this great fall. And there are now rumors that he may not return this season. But when he comes back, they're gonna package him up and they're gonna sell shoes and they're gonna market his story. He's gonna get that thug street credibility one way or the other. That, that's my take. I'm sure uh, Royce has a much more nuanced take. Royce has been on top of the whole mental health issue as it relates to professional athletes for the last decade. He's been at the forefront of that fight. I would imagine he sees things a bit differently than me, but I, I don't see some situation that counseling's going to correct, that therapy's going to correct. This John Morant, the, the sports world in general, the NFL, the NBA, Adam Silver, Roger Goodell, these guys need an exorcism. This whole thing has turned satanic and evil. And this is what they're doing to young people. This kid comes from a good family and two parents that cared about him, but they've tossed him into a world that chews you up and spits you out and makes you want to spend all your time in a beauty shop working on your hair, all your time at a tattoo shop, shop getting tats all over your body and shaking your ass and taking pictures while you're dancing to rap music on Instagram. Royce, uh, take this conversation. I, 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 I'm sure I got this conversation at a shallow level, shallow level, but this is what I believe. It, it, I'm sure it's a little deeper and more nuanced than what I'm, I'm putting on right now, but I, I, this is what I believe. I, I, I feel sorry for Job Morant. I, I think he's behaving the way we programmed him be, to behave. Well, I don't think it's at a shallow level. I, I I just think there's a lot of things to consider, you know, with this whole story. And and you know, you, you, usually I start from from the the uh, the local and go to the go to the global. But I think we should start from the global and go to the local. Uh, and I think you've done a good job to articulate this is an anti-God culture, and and black people specifically in America have accepted the lowest formation and organization of society, culture, and community. 
And that that's what we see across the country. It's not just Ja Moran. It's it's not just Chicago. It's not just Memphis. It's many, many young black men in inner city communities all across the country. And it was something that was done to them. When you talk about MK Ultra being a sort of uh, uh, deep state uh, intelligence community operation, it's not the only one. And it's not the only one that was intended to yield this result. Uh, and it's it's interesting because, you know, yes, it, it, and one at one level, you, you could come right out and say the whole hip hop and sports entertainment business is run by anti-Jews. And there's a clear predation on black people, black communities, black culture, young black men from elite uh, anti-Jews in, in those industries that openly and they openly brag. About, I mean, Leo Cohen was on The Breakfast Club openly bragging that the result from this music does yield a cultural impact and that he has mouths to feed. He has bills to pay. He's got a business to run. And, and, and that's that radical materialism that has been casted onto the anti-Jew motif for many, many, many centuries. And, and that's not to excuse any of the atrocities that have been done to the, the Jewish people. And in fact, I think you could argue that the info war that was waged is that a few anti-Jews are usually at the helm of some of these cultural agendas and a broader scope of Jews who are actually in many cases faithful uh, end up taking the blunt force of it. And in that way, many black people in our country take the blunt force of what has become the product of these young men who are completely lost. And and the NBA is no different. And they're showing the, the, the agenda right now. And, and I'm worried because there's two narratives being run at once here. I mean, we have to see the duality. If we don't, we're ill prepared to fight back. There's two narratives being run at once here. You can either accept your gangster. You can either accept your radical materialism, right? Your, your lack of humanity and dignity and self-worth and self-love. You can embrace that and you can be that and you can get all the spoils that come from it. Or you can become a Judeo-Buddhist and you can accept the teachings of uh, Noah Yuval Harari and you could go to some counseling retreat where you have some vegan cokehead shaman teach you about astrology and numerology, and you can come back wearing skirts and the LGBT will accept you, right? So you see two different motifs being played out in the NBA culture. You got Ja Moran on one end, the gangster rapper, and then you got D-Wade on the other end, the affluent, accepted, metropolitan, omnisexual. Uh, and, and I don't think that either one of them are a coincidence or an accident. And I'm very, very skeptical, and I'm very disappointed as somebody who sounded the alarm about mental health, the human psychology, the human condition, I'm very disappointed in how the woke left has hijacked mental health as a conversation, as an industry. Certainly the psychologists and psychiatrists in the, in the academic universities. Mental health is a topic that is hijacked. And so I'm worried about what they mean when they say he's going to get counseling. You took me right where I wanted to, to go. What do they mean by getting counseling? The guys at a strip club flashing a gun. What what I'll counseling tell you what they mean. fixes no, I'll tell that? You, I'll tell you what. That this this is the hard. You know, I may get I may get a little upset here and, and lose my cool. So I apologize in advance. But this topic is very intimate to me because I know exactly what they mean. I know exactly what they're saying to them right now behind closed doors. They're saying. Young man, come on in and sit down. You put yourself in a peculiar situation. You're talented. 
one of the most talented players we've ever seen. The next Allen Iverson, the, the next combination of Allen Iverson and D Wade or D Rose. And, and you could have everything that you want, all the material goods, all the spoils that you heard in the rap songs that you came up idolizing. You could have that and much more. But in order to do it now, you're going to have to bend over. It's the same thing they were telling Kyrie. It's just a different situation. Okay, they have him in a different trick bag. The trick bag is you got yourself in some trouble, some trouble that has legal impl- implications, real legal implications. And now we're just we're, we're going to have every excuse we need to to kick you out of this league unless you do what we ask. And this is how the this is how the elite establishment works to blackmail people. So when they say counseling, what they're doing is sending him down to some selected group of people who they know who they are friends with, like an Aaron Fink. I was sent to a psychiatrist when I said, we need a broad scope mental health policy in this league that's not reactive and based on drugs and alcohol. We need to understand the fundamentals of the human condition. They didn't want to do that because the whole industry from the NBA to the nightly news is predicated on addiction, dopamine, and, and, and uh, radical materialism. So they don't want to have a broad scope conversation about fundamental issues. They want you to get in trouble so that you fall into a trap where you got to do what they say. And they're going to walk them down the floor and they're going to say, you know what? We, we see some things. There's been trauma in your life. You know, this isn't really on you. This is on your mama and daddy and wherever you grew up. And all. kind of the narrative that, that you're saying, but they're going to use it in a different way. You're traumatized. You're a young black man. You're traumatized. Your history, the oppression is why you're acting this way. We just have to rewire you. And in rewiring him, they're not going to give him Christ. They're going to give him Judeo-Buddhism. And he's going to come back and he's going to do some media campaign where he affirms the next Black Panther, right? The next LGBTQ Disney movie. He might even appear in one, right? He might be the star cameo in one. And then all of a sudden, everything's going to be better for him, right? Everything, they'll give him more money, right? As long as he toes the line. And, and you know, John Moran doesn't strike me as a person who who could undergo that type of, 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 of um, that type of intervention and really have any stay to his transformation. He's going to need Christ, like many young black men do. Now you're a bourgeoisie sellout. See, John Morant's not a sellout. And I want to make this distinction and make this point because there's a lot of young black men who are plagued by a criminal sort of mindset or a, a criminal conditioning culturally, just a, a lack of sacred honor. I want to make this point. He's not a sellout. He's lost. Dwayne Wade is a sellout. And there's a difference. See, I don't, John Moran doesn't strike me as a sellout. So what he'll do is he'll go down, he'll play the game. And when he comes back, he'll get in more trouble because it's not going to resonate because they don't really want to, him to change and have a more fruitful and spiritual and healthy life or mindset. They want him to make them money. They're chameleonic. The NBA and the entire pro sports world and industry is a chameleonic political industry. They'll do whatever they need to do to satisfy the wins of the people who are buying, selling, and and betting on the product. That's the reality. I, I really like your point because it takes me here in terms of what used to be the difference between the NBA and the NFL. And I say use, and I put that D at the end of it, because now they really operate more the same. But, but let's go back to Michael Vick getting in trouble. And, and what did the NFL do 
to get Mike Vick right. They put Tony Dungy in his life, a devout Christian and a leader of men. And, and Tony, we need you to mentor uh, Michael Vick and oversee blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the NBA, they don't have anybody in their camp that's anything like a Tony Dungy. I get Monty Williams, the head coach of the, the Suns, but an elder statesman, a, a accomplished elder statesman and spokesman to say, hey, look, we want to get this kid right and get his spiritual life in order. They don't even have anybody. Who fits that description? You going to turn him over to magic and, and cookie? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, they don't even have anybody in that role. And it's not even a thought. There's some kind of counseling and therapist, and so, there's some probably uh, woke black woman that they got this dude sitting in front of who's going to tell him, here's how you should handle it. And, and, and again, I'm saying this is the way the NFL used to be because if, if a Michael Vick thing happened now, they do the exact same thing the NBA is, is doing. You know, let's get in some counseling, or, and God no will doubt. never enter the equation. But, but when mm-hmm. I see a young man with the struggles that, that he's having, uh, guns and, and, you know, that kind of debaucherous behavior, the first thing I was like, man, this dude needs God. They, they need to, you know, is, is there some church home in Memphis? Is there some minister in Memphis that we could build a, could a relationship with this kid? Never even crosses their mind to, to, to deal with a kid on a spiritual level. It, it's all a, a programming level. Well, and not, not only that, that, well, I think one telling one telling sign of, of what, do you think that anybody over at the NBA considered to call Farrakhan or any, any uh, Muslims, any of the members of the nation of Islam who may have radical political ideologies, but certainly they have a faith-based lifestyle and they certainly wouldn't, wouldn't tolerate or, or promote or uh, support any of what John Moran is doing. Do you think they ever thought to call Minister Louis Farrakhan? Think that's by accident? You think Minister Louis Farrakhan wouldn't help the young man get his spiritual life in order? And I don't agree with everything that Minister Louis Farrakhan says. In fact, I disagree with with a good number of things. But I know he would help John Moran get his spiritual life in order. I know enough members of the nation, Islam and Muslims, to know that they have a devout faith life and that these sort of hang out at strip club, guns and drugs and gangs, that's not a part of the that's not a part of the order of the mission. It's not by accident they wouldn't call him. It's not by accident they wouldn't call me. It's not by accident they wouldn't call you. This is politically motivated grooming of young men, young black men. It's not just grooming of kids at the elementary level. They've used the economy and radical materialism to groom and condition the entire black community. This is what our community, the black community is a sellout community, spiritually. The ethos of the black community writ large is a sellout community. We think that radical materialism is the most important, is, is the highest on the docket. And that, uh, listen to what, uh, listen and hear it. It's been done to us. The Marxist liberal, neocon, neoliberal order, world order taught us in the universities that our entire history is based on material. So our future must be based on material. Their answer to colonialism wasn't, you know what? These white colonialists, these European monarchy colonialists, they had the whole world wrong based on their materialism. No, they're telling black young black men that they had their their view wrong based on Christianity. 
You understand what I'm saying? The, the narrative about this nation's history and about slavery and colonialism is that Christianity motivated manifest destiny and this colonization and slavery and human subjugation. It's not the case. The business model motivated the crown to colonize the, the world. The business model is what the problem is. It's not, it's not the, uh, it's not, it wasn't the Christianity. They actually, they were taking the Lord's name in vain. So, you know, this, this whole story is being mistold to black people. Um, and, and, and ultimately black people like John ja Morant and many other young black men and many of these bourgeois elite sellout rappers who are either putting on an act or they're completely psychopathic and on drugs, either they're going to stand up, they're going to stand up and stop selling out or not. But one thing I can't stand is, is, is they actually call us the sellouts. Right. They think that they've been taught the black, the black Internet believes that Christianity is a grift, that if you're black and you profess or promote Christianity in the public square, you're grifting for white races. This is the real narrative. So what is their answer for John Morant? Actually, you know what's funny about it? Those same decrepit, sellout, bourgeois black folks who are on Instagram trying to be the same Instagram model that John Moran is actually those black folks are actually laughing at John Morant's misfortune. They're hoping to see him fail because they hate themselves as well. Those are the Ilhan Omars of the world. They talk about black prosperity, but as soon as a young black man finds himself in trouble or dead, they're right there to pick up the shekels or, you know, feed the machine. You know how many black people I see making jokes about the situation? They don't want to see John Morant win. They don't want to see him get better. They love the situation he's in, and that's that's a reflection of black communities writ large. We like to see our stat. That's the coonery. That's the that's the crab in the barrel mentality. Not me calling LeBron a sellout because he signed a billion dollar contract with an anti-Jewish elite company that's totally fine partnering with China and suppressing faith in Islam there in East Western China. I'm the sellout though. But all of y'all can't wait for John Morant to get himself in trouble so you can get on the internet and make memes about him. Are you kidding me? Are you people stupid? Well, you've taken me to a thought that I that hadn't even crossed my mind. But but the NBA is a black league, they say, and that you know it, it caters to the sensibilities of black people, the NBA. And it's just not true. And you've pointed me to the example of just how untrue it is because you referenced Farrakhan. And I know why you did it. Part of the reason, the Nation of Islam, regardless of what anybody thinks, they have a track record of taking troubled black men and putting bow ties and suits on them and getting them to embrace a different style of behavior. They got a Malcolm track X. record, whether you like them or not. Malcolm. Now, and, and black people are very aware of this. Black people are. But there's also a group whose name starts with J who can't stand Louis Farrakhan. Cannot stand him. He is their mortal enemy. And, and you know what? I get why. I'm not even going to be mad at him for that. But don't tell me you're a black league and you cater to the sensibilities of black people 
But Farrakhan's a bridge too far. You're not a black league. You're a Jewish league that is hostile to, but, but now I'd want to take Farrakhan off the table and just deal with black, because there's a lot of black folks from a spiritual level that's just like, they can't ride with Louis Farrakhan, and I completely understand why. So, but you're a black league. But I'm gonna go back. You don't have any minister with any type of connection or identity attached to your league. Not one. When, 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 when you think of the, and I'm not putting the NFL on a pedestal because I have my problems with the NFL, and this is the way the NFL used to be. But take a Tony Evans that worked for the Dallas Cowboys for years. Take a T.D. Jakes that, that has a relationship with NFL and NFL players. And there's, the NFL used to, that's the way it used to be. But the NBA, an alleged black league that caters to the sensibilities of black people, has no relationship with anybody from the theological world, black, white. It could be John MacArthur. It could, it, you're sitting, you were mentioning in Farrakhan, I was thinking about like, if the NBA were run properly, if it wasn't hostile to Jesus Christ, there's a group that doesn't see Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and so appears to be hostile towards Jesus Christ. If, if, if it catered to black people's sensibilities, it would have a relationship with the Christian ministry world. There would be some ministry, whether it be Vody Bauckham, whether it be yeah. Tony Evans, whether it be T.D. Yeah. Jakes, people would be having a conversation about, hey, maybe we should get it. They have no relationship to God, but it's a league that caters to black people. And so either that says something about us as black people, and maybe it says something about LeBron James and everybody in the league that allegedly has all this power. They have no relationship with Christianity and God and Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or they yeah. would be demanding that their league have some kind of association with some kind of biblical worldview, with some kind of faith worldview, it has none. It's a secular league. No, and it's so more, as it's black more, people, we should be, we should it, be it, asking it, ourselves, how can the league that's supposed to be a reflection of us has no relationship with God and appears to be hostile to Jesus Christ? But this is our league? Really? Well, 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 yeah, well, here's the here's the hard truth. Um, I said this the other day in my podcast that we 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 like to say we're a Christian nation. No, we were founded on Judeo Christian values. This ain't a Christian nation as it stands today. As it stands today, this is a satanic nation. This is an anti Christian nation. This is an anti God nation because you are what your score says you are. Sixty three million abortions in 60 years says you're an anti Christian nation. And that's not to say we should abandon the Judeo-Christian values. Actually, we should look back to them and, and move back to them. But to say we're a Christian nation today fundamentally isn't true. And, and part of it, and, and to make the distinction here with the anti-Jew thing, is they're not necessarily hostile towards Christ. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. The anti-Jews are hostile towards their own Jewish identity. They're, they're hostile towards Abraham. They're hostile towards Moses. They're hostile towards Old Testament Jewish Jews. Okay, they're hostile towards the, ortho the orthodox, right? They're they're hostile towards anybody who has any faith in God. 
Uh, and, and as a byproduct of that, the highest formation of, of faith being Christianity and Christ as the Messiah, they have a special animus towards him. But, but they'll settle for anybody who has faith in God. The anti-Jew classification is anti-Jewish because they don't believe in what effectively makes them Jews. And what makes them Jews, what allowed the Jewish identity to survive, was the Hebrew Bible. Or else, the, you know, the Babylonian identity, the Persian identity, the, the, uh, the Ottoman identity, all these uh, kingdoms and empires and things that just faded throughout history. They got caught in the charnel house, and they're, they're no longer there. All those identities didn't have one key element, a cultural faith tradition, an oral and written tradition that was passed along from generation to generation that resonated so deeply that people could not abandon it. No matter how many people worked against it, no matter how many Bibles they burned, no matter how many Jews they killed, they could not kill the resonance of the Hebrew Bible. That is the greatest validation of God historically, is that the Hebrew Bible has not fallen, and they're doing everything they can to make it fall now. And if they want to use, if they can use black people, they'll use black people. If they can use the NBA or basketball, they'll use the NBA or basketball. If they can use rap music, if they can use technology, if they can use drugs, if they can use women's rights, if they can use gay and homosexual, uh, you know, proclivity, they'll use whatever they need. And the one herald that tells you who's working is because they never want to come out and just say, hey, this is just about being anti-God. It's not secular, it's anti-God. There's a few, there's a few who will come right out and say that it's anti-God, and they never put them in the spotlight. They, they, they have a following, but they don't have a Ja Morant NBA-like spotlight. They talk at Davos, Switzerland. They talk in, in, Davo, in, 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 in Geneva. They talk at these international global summits about the threat of Christianity that Joe Biden laid out in his domestic terrorism strategy in June 2021. This is already at your door and in your house. Anybody who's Christian, anybody who denies the vaccine, anybody who denies the integrity of elections, you all are domestic terrorists by Joe Biden's criteria. The commander in chief, and he'll use the full force of the United States military and of the United States federal government to surveil you and to, to keep a track on your domestic terrorism. So here, Ja, you got, a, you, got a, you, you got an option. You can either accept the Judeo-Buddhism, the anti-God mentality, or you can become a bum. You can go back to wherever you're from and, and the, the, the humble, poor beginnings you came from. You can go back there. Same thing they told me. They sat me in a room. I was, I was in the room, and they said, look, you can be whatever you want to be. You got all the talent. You're articulate. You know, you, you're, you're marketable. You're very marketable, but you gotta, you need us. And if you don't, who's going to listen to you? Now, I found myself a Jason Whitlock in a fearless army, so I'm fortunate, and I hope John Morant can do the same. Thank you, Royce. This conversation was exceeded my expectations, and I had high expectations for it. I've got a lot to think about. I... I that caused some reflection and some epiphany for me. I, I, I would love, hop in the comments right now and, and explain to me how the NBA, the Black League, the, 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 the league, the sports league that so represents black people, has no spiritual connection at all, none. 
None whatsoever. Young men can be in this type of crisis and there's not even a hint of conversation about getting him some spiritual help. It says something about the NBA and maybe it also in addition says something about us. Are we this disconnected from God? Is that league, are we as people that disconnected from God that it doesn't even cross our mind? Some a young person in crisis and we're not trying to connect him to God? The, the NFL, again, I'm just a decade ago when Michael Vick was in trouble, they, they, they put Tony Dungy on the case. Won't happen again, but that's what they did then. The NBA, it's not even a thought. It's not even part of their history. It's not part of their DNA. It's a secular league, hostile to God. But that's our league. That's the one we dominate and control. LeBron's in control. We don't have any problem with this. Delano Squires next. Atheists, the secular world, the culture uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men. We know you're imperfect. You know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture, and we, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? and you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl, and you're gonna let them make the Bible hate speech, you're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it, and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, it's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms, and there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder and every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough in prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, 
He's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone. Be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, show's off to a great start. It's going to get even better. Still talking about Job ja Morant. We're going to do it with Delano Squires, Professor D, smartest man on the show. Uh, we're going to uh, continue to delve into Job ja Morant, but I need you all first to hit those likes, hit the subscribe, hit the notifications, leave a comment. If you're listening on Apple, we need the five-star review. Write a review. Let's fight the algorithm. Let's do it together. You're doing a great job. We need 5,000 likes on this show. Delano, I, I want to start here with you, piggybacking off the conversation with, with Royce White. I, the argument I'm making is that Ja Morant is doing what basketball and sports culture are programming young athletes to do. And, and this... I think dates back, and I, I tried to expound on this in the column I wrote and the, the monologue I did, that ever since Nike had this incredible success with Michael Jordan and Air Jordan and selling the street mm. cred, this has been the blueprint for athletes. And, and, and I, I, I have a lot of empathy for Job Morant's parents. I have a lot of empathy for Delano and his wife and kids. The cultural pressure is so overwhelming that, that I almost feel like, you know, parents are in a helpless position. And so I have a lot of sympathy for his parents, but I just think mm. he's actually doing what sport, sports culture demands. He, he's looking for his street cred. He's hanging out in strip clubs and, you know, he doesn't have an identity that's attached to God, it doesn't mm. seem. I mean, you make a fantastic point, Jason. And actually, this was, I made the same point in my column, I think it was last week, talking about John Morant and, and both sports culture, as you said, um, and that sports culture is feeding on a broader hip-hop culture. Uh, and my point was that the, the guys like John Morant, who grow up like him, feel pressure to act like guys like NBA Youngboy who was the artist, the rapper John Morant was singing in the strip club, but in his in his IG live video, 
Um, and, and that pressure makes guys who grow up, and I'm not saying John Morant grew up as a Cosby kid, but given the context, married, two parents, both very involved, raising two children within the bounds of marriage, that's, that's better than most. Uh, but as soon as he, he gets some money, he, he feels the need to try to emulate a lifestyle that seems not to be uh, you know, authentic, to, to, authentic to, to, to who he is. Um, so, you know, when you see him flashing the gun and he's got the gold and the grills, uh, I said that was the Thug Life starter pack. Uh, and, and I think in many respects, to your point, the NBA has promoted that because the NBA promotes artists like NBA Youngboy and 21 Savage and all these other guys. And then they turn around and tell the athletes, well, don't be like them. Right. And, and the, the message is is extremely confusing. And John Moran, NBA Youngboy are basically are the same age, both from the South. That's basically where their similarities end. Ja has one child with his longtime girlfriend. NBA Youngboy has at least nine children by several different women, including one by Floyd Mayweather's daughter, Yaya. Right. So this is the pull, the siren song of the streets, as I call it, that a lot of young men, particularly athletes, feel um, the, a certain ex- uh, pressure being exerted against them. And, and it's, it's sad. You know what I mean? So it, it's I'm not surprised that he ended up in this place. I will say this. I think between Jordan and Ja, one of the central figures, and, and you hear this both. Um, I'm not sure if Ja Morant has, has said it per se, but certainly what Colin Kaepernick said it, which is Allen Iverson. Because Allen Iverson, to me, more than any other figure in the last, you know, 30 plus years, um, was the person who diverted the direction sort of of the, the cultural water and the wind as it relates to professional sports. Back in late 80s, early 90s, you would almost never see pro athletes with tattoos. If they had a tattoo, it was something that was was not visible. Um, and it, these were more the outlaw types, right? Dennis Rodman is an outlier. Then you get to the point in the 2000s, the 2010s, where the outlier is the guy who is not tatted up and not just, you know, a little, you know, barbed wire. I'm not talking about the Honda quarter tattoos. I'm talking about full sleeves on the neck, on the face. And I think AI really ushered that into, into the league. And a lot of guys looked up to him because they, they felt he was being his you know, authentic self, you know, part street, part, you know, at, you know, part, part rapper, part gangster image, part athlete. And I think guys like Job pattern themselves in terms of their their image after Iverson, even if they think, you know, Michael Jordan was the GOAT. They certainly, yeah, they, they want that Iverson street cred and reputation. Delano, I'm looking at a passage I wrote in my column, and and I want to know, and I'm asking authentically, Mm because I I may be too harsh, and so I want someone to reel me back in and say, man, that's that's too harsh. It's too much of a generalization. But your reaction, I I say, black male athletes are hyper-focused on hairstyles, hair color, tattoos, and fashion. Like teenage girls, they're obsessed with how they look. Devoid of genuine purpose and detached from a biblical identity, 
They're bare-chested, tatted-up Instagram models with buns, dreads, cornrows, and afros. They organize racial justice gestures and leverage white guilt to burnish brands they use to peddle overpriced merchandise to people who can't afford it. Sounds about right I, to me. I read that and I wrote it this morning and I'm like, man, I'm really turned in to an old man yelling, get off my lawn. And, and you know, everything was better in my day. And I don't want to be that guy, but this, this is how I feel. When I look out and see everybody tatted up from head to toe and, mm -hmm. and more hairstyles, there's more hairstyles in the NBA than in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, it's driving me crazy. Am, am I just old and just need to get with the times? Well, I certainly, th I certainly think more than one thing could be true at the same time, right? I think your analysis could be completely spot on, which I think it is. And it could be that this is what you're expressing and which I, I would express in, in similar terms is a function of, be of getting older, becoming wiser, and, and seeing the distance from where we used to be to, to where we are now. So again, someone like you know Dennis Rodman, to a lesser extent like a Ricky Williams, because Ricky Williams wasn't never as big and certainly never had the accomplishments of Dennis Rodman. But you know he he dressed up in a he, he dressed he was in a Rodman was in a wedding dress and you know Ricky Williams did some other crazy stuff. But these guys were outliers. But when I when I see athletes. I'm thinking DK Metcalf, the wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, who's got purple and, and pink, you know, uh, frosted hair and all this other stuff. And when you see guys, even older guys, when Dwayne Wade painted his nails a couple years back when he was in the finals. Now, parenthetically, that might have been him signaling that other things were coming down the pike within the Wade family. But I do think that there is a preoccupation with a certain type of image that athletes and entertainers and Americans of all stripes have today that was not present to the same extent 20, 30 years ago. And I think a, a huge part of that is the advent of social media. And even Jason, since I'll just say Instagram because it's the most image driven social media platform. I remember when I first got on Instagram, people would post, they'll see a nice Ferrari out on the street or they'll see you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, a backhoe or excavator. And they'd be like, man, reliving my dreams from when I was a kid, hashtag Tonka. But now it reached a certain point where it was all uh, selfies. It was all uh, butt shots. It was all look at me, look at me, look at me as I promote, you know, certain brands, as I promote a certain lifestyle. And I think our culture, generally speaking, has become much, much more narcissistic uh, much, much more self-interested. We spend a lot more time looking at our navels. And I think the way this, this works with athletes, particularly um, broader culture, but particularly within black culture, is that our culture is, actually, is also much, much more focused on the interests um, and the, the issues concerning quote unquote elites. And, and you talked about this yesterday. It's um, did Angela Bassett win an Oscar? If not, oh, th this is all what's wrong with the culture and they don't respect black women and so on and so forth. Last week it, it was, y'all need to pay Lamar Jackson, give that man his money. 
but it's a constant drumbeat of elevating the interests and the issues of elites over those of working people, you know, the, the everyday Joe. And, and that happens largely in, in our community, but again, in, in the broader culture as well. You make a terrific point that, that takes me a little bit off target, but you, you just take me there in terms of we are constantly thinking about what benefits elites and, and how this plays out and how this justice never trickles down. Working class people, and again, this has virtually nothing to do with Job Moran, but working class people want to live in safe neighborhoods that are mm -hmm. properly policed. And, and they have a whole different point of view than the elites that are living off in gated communities that rarely see the police who sit around and say, you know, there's too much policing and we need to be harder on police and we need mm. to be more sympathetic towards criminals and we need to do everything for bail reform to make sure that criminals are out on the street. And that's not, I don't think, the perspective of the working class. They wanna be in safe neighborhoods and the guy that broke into their home or molested uh, their daughter or beat up their little cousin, they don't wanna see him back out on the streets as soon as possible. But, but the elites loved it. And this is what I've always despised about the Ivy League educated people of any color. They think life is a laboratory, that, mm -hmm. that it's all theoretical. And, and it's like, no, there's like real life. And that, that's what I used to, I, people are oh man, I'm so afraid of the police and all the, the police are this. I, that's in your little theoretical world. In, in, in the real world, people are afraid of the Crips and the Bloods and the Gangster Disciples. That, that's who has real impact on what's going on in their communities. And, and so this focus on elites and making sure everything is perfect for elites, it, it, yeah. it never trickles down. But, but Jason, you, you, you actually closed the circle on, on how that point relates to John Morant and more generally speaking to professional athletics because it was the leagues and the players pushing uh, BLM as an organization, as a movement. They, they were the ones jawboning and, and you know, uh, shaming the NBA and the NFL into putting end racism on the field and putting, you know, um, um, education reform and the most pathetic of all, love us on the back of jerseys and putting Black Lives Matter on, on, on the hardwood, right? So these are people who, some of them grow up in some of these neighborhoods. They're fortunate enough to, to leave the neighborhood Right. And then they turn around and promote every single pet cause of of the liberal establishment, including Black Lives Matter. Right. Which the founders are police and prison abolitionists. It's not just about defunding police. And it's definitely not about re, just reallocating resources. It's no. They, they want to live in a completely different world. And, and the useful idiots in professional basketball and professional uh, football and professional baseball to a lesser extent. These guys were pushing that message with full force throughout throughout 2020. And and if if they got their way, it is guaranteed that more black folk would die. And and I'll say this, Jason, when I was it was a couple years ago when um 
Rudy Giuliani before he, you know, got into all the stuff about the elections and all this other stuff. He said something controversial on a show. He basically said something to the effect of the the police department, local police department. He was saying specifically NYPD um, cares more about black lives than any of these activist organizations. And I remember saying to myself, man, that's, how can how can he say that? And and I grew up in in New York City at a time when Giuliani was mayor. Actually, the first time I ever drove on a highway as a teenager, I ended up in the middle of a riot in Brooklyn, New York because a guy had gotten shot and killed by the NYPD, a guy named Patrick Dorisman, in a, in a drug bust that went bad, and Rudy Giuliani opened up this guy's juvenile record, made him look like a criminal, and the Haitian community from which he came, when it was time to bury him that Saturday, they were throwing bricks and bottles at the police, and my dad was like, take off, just get out of here. So I remember this like it was yesterday. So when Giuliani says that the NYPD has done more to save black lives than, than any of these organizations, I recoiled. But then I thought about it. When somebody gets shot in inner city Indianapolis, or West Baltimore, or Southeast DC, or Compton, or New Orleans, or Atlanta, or New York City, or Philadelphia, the first organization that's there on the ground to investigate and to try to bring the perpetrators of justice is the local police department. They're the ones who work, who work leads. They interview witnesses. They track, they track down cell phone data. They track down suspects. They bring in people for questioning, all with the purpose of affecting arrest and trying to give a grieving family some measure of closure and justice. These activist organizations don't care about that work because they don't care about the people who get killed in these communities. Because unless the person who dies died at the hands of a police officer, white or black, or a white vigilante, or unless there's a more high profile Karen case, right, quote unquote, um, then these people are not interested in that. So as I thought about it, I said, Giuliani has a point. And in fact, if, if we were really, really being real, we, we have an under incarceration problem in our country because there are a lot of guys who have bodies on, on, on their belt, right, who've killed people and who have never been held accountable. If, if you figure that 40%, I think it was somewhere between 40 and 50% of homicides nationally are, are, are solved or closed, and in cities like, particularly in Chicago, three quarters of the homicide victims who are black, their this, this suspects are never brought to justice, that means there's a lot of guys out there that have blood on their hands that have never been held accountable by the criminal justice system. So when I see these goofball athletes advocating for a, a way of life that would make it more difficult for the people living in the hoods that they came from, that, that really does bother me. So I, you, you're right. I think the NBA, the NFL, all, all of these leagues that promote a culture of death, degradation, and dysfunction, they are the ones that need to go to counseling, not John Moran. Uh, speaking of counseling, I wonder if uh, you have some for Russell Wilson. Oh, my uh, goodness. Sierra... Uh, <laughs> Put on very little clothes uh, for the Oscars after party. If, if we can, do we have a video or pictures or yeah, Sierra? This is her at an after party, uh, virtually butt naked, a g-string basically, and something see-through covering it up. And, and so she's on a red carpet, I think, pictured with uh, 
Russell Wilson, the NFL quarterback. Sierra has a spell over Russell Wilson or, or something. She got his underwear buried in the backyard. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, she's got all her clothes buried someplace. Uh, your, your thoughts on or some advice here for Russell Wilson? Here's my first thought. Um, it's that the, the scriptures teach, and I'm thinking particularly in Proverbs, that a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman with her own hands tears her house down. And I think women like like Ciara, who, say, who said Ciara's prayer and said, I, I want to come up out of the trap house. I want somebody to rescue me and bring me to the White House. Then she gets the guy, and then she begins to act just like the woman who was stuck at the trap house for all of those years, right? And, and, and I'm not saying this because I, I dislike Sierra, I dislike Russell Wilson. Actually, I like Russell Wilson a lot, P- personally. I think he is, in many respects, the, the, the anti-Iverson, right? But what I've seen is a transition even in him, where he's trying to play up this, it's not necessarily street cred, but he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dangerous. Seattle, I'm, I'm coming back to y'all. You know what I'm saying? And he wasn't talking like that coming out of college, right? But, well, let me not get into who he was with when he came out of college. But what I'm saying is someone, it seems like Ciara is a type of woman that does not respect her husband because she is dressed like the type of woman who regularly gets asked, how much are you working tonight, right? Where, where can I take you for us to um, uh, join forces, so to speak? And I just, and, and what's worse than, than seeing her um, displaying herself like this, right, is the response from the culture, so to speak. And generally speaking, what I saw is a number of people caping up for her, men and women, um, saying, she looks great. Well, what's wrong with it? How? What do you mean, is he going to let Ciara dress like that? This is not the 1950s and so on and so forth. And, and, and this is the problem. The, the root word of, of conservatism or con- conservative is to conserve, which means uh, both to create and sustain. And, and what we have, particularly within black culture, is a desire to create stuff, but we have no understanding of how to sustain it, Right. So Sierra is pushing a culture which is the type of thing that leads young women to say, this is how I should carry myself. This is how I should act out in the real world. And it doesn't even matter if I got a husband because now that I have him, I secured him. And he's not going to leave me because as much as I got from him, which is, again, I got to go from the trap house to the White House, he gets from me. He gets to go from, from uh, Urkel to Dangerous. So now I'm free to twerk at the gas station or twerk at a, at a Met party or dress like a prostitute. And, and my, my counsel is that any culture that criticizes modesty and celebrates pr- promiscuity, whoredom, immodesty is going to have a tremendous amount of trouble on its hands. It is going to teach its girls that the way to get attention and to stay relevant is to dress like a streetwalker. And, and I would hope someone like Ciara would have more wisdom to be a Titus II woman, to be self-controlled, 
to be temperate, to be modest, to teach women, the younger women, how to love their husbands and care well for their families. But obviously that's, that's not what we're getting. And what Russell Wilson is doing is teaching young men that, you know, no matter what your woman does, any attempt to correct that is, is oppressive. And I don't think it's any coincidence, Jason, that the people, when you're not willing to stand up to the people you love, you're not going to be willing to stand up for the people you love. And that's why there's a dearth of men in Russell Wilson's position who are willing to speak up on anything having to do with sex, sexuality, or gender identity in our culture. These guys are terrified. Russell Wilson would never say anything to cross the LGBTQ lobby. He would never speak out on, on men and women's sports. He would never do any of that stuff because he can't even t- turn to his wife and say, babe, I love that dress, but let's wear that when we have a restaurant rented out in Cabo, just me and you, private affair, and then you, you can wear that back to the room. When she says, no, I'm wearing this to, uh, to the Oscars, I want millions of people to see me with, with all my goods hanging out. All he can do is say, oh, I'm just, I'm just thankful to be in your presence. Nah, I don't want to raise sons like that. It's, it's, I don't know, I, I got some sympathy for Russ. I, I, I think his first wife is more of a reflection of what he actually likes. I, I think that he went this route to try to get some credibility and mm-hmm. whatever, black credibility or whatever, and, and that has given her license to run wild, and, and so she's doing it. I, I, I can say this without being a hypocrite, I, I've been young and, and, and foolish and, and caught up in the world. And, and I'm, te- I'm, a, I'm sharing this story not, uh, this does not make me look good. I'm not trying to say it to brag, but I, I can remember this had to be in the 90s. Uh, I took the woman I was dating to the ESPY Awards. And she wore a red dress. And, and she had some big natural breasts and they were on full display. And I remember uh, at the end of that trip, I was done. When, when, mm. when, when, that, when that plane hit home, I was done because wore that dress to the ESPYs and the part and, and you know, got a lot of attention. Uh, with that, but I, nah, this ain't me. And 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 I, I could, a friend of mine was 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 there with his day. Now I can remember saying, "Oh, when we get back, this is over. When when mm. when this plane touches down, it, it's over." And 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 I, we were dating. Russ is married. I I don't want to say something unbiblical about mm-hmm. what Russ should do, but if he can't get this woman under control he's going to have to come up with some kind of exit strategy because it's not the look you want. Don't they? They got kids themselves. I know she got futures, Correct. baby, but he, yeah, he's got, got his own kids. And, and mm-hmm. I just can't understand why a man would want to, uh, or why a woman would just, she's got kids. And, and it's great that she looks that good. It's awesome. But that, mm. that should be between her, Russ, and God. 
not not so on display for the whole world for for people to be because you're exactly right. You you see, I used to go to all the big heavyweight fights, mm -hmm. and that's how women would dress at Mike Tyson fights and any big. I used to Riddick Boy any big fights out in Las Vegas. That's how women would dress, and you know what they would get asked? How much? Mm -hmm. you, you a thousand percent on the money. You, you sit out in the MGM or any of them hotels, and you saw somebody dressed like that. How much? And they would quote you a price. Mm. That's who Sierra is. That that's she's comfortable with that. I, God bless her. And, and and it's but it's not just that. It's, and it's but it's not just her. Excuse me. It's not just her, Jason. Um, Russell Wilson is on the, the on the the Smith Wade Express, right? Where you have athletes, prominent black men, married to entertainers, um, to prominent black women, or sometimes not so prominent, but popular. Um, and these guys, for whatever reason, seem to be out of control as it relates to their, to their own relationship, right? Again, I, I get a man wanting to see his wife in something that is attractive and revealing, but there's certain things that are, that are you know, as I would say in, in Mission Impossible, for your eyes only. But there are there are also some guys who enjoy the notion that other men are want to look at their their wife, right? Now, I, now and I'm not trying to psychoanalyze Russ, but this is a big and complex and degenerate enough world where there's some guys who derive some amount of pleasure at that, right? And 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 they like that other guys are ogling their wives, and some guys will even take it even further. Because this is highly weird. So there's all types of things that, that go on out there. But on the Sierra side, part of it is for, for so many women, they spend a lifetime trying to come to some sense of who they are. And anyone who's in the business of trying to make women feel more secure in themselves is always going to be rich. Whether you're in the makeup company, makeup business, you're in the, the high heel business, whether you're in the Spanx and body modification business, whether you're in the BBL business, whether you're in the breast enhancement business, the lip filler business, and this is women across the board, across a political ideology, across ethnic background. This all, there's always a part of, or for many women, there's a part of them that always says, I'm not enough. And one of the things that helps them feel like I'm, I'm more than enough is to get attention from men. Now they lie for, Decades to say, oh, I don't care. I'm an independent woman. I don't care what no man think. But they do all of these things to get attention from men. And even women, and I'm thinking someone like Aisha Curry, who criticized women who did stuff like this, eventually started to say, you know what? I'm slimming down. Why should Steph get all the attention? So she posted pictures with her, her, her bare back out and all this other stuff. They, they, they crave attention. And Jason, the part of it, and we didn't we didn't touch on this, but I think the part of it that makes this so disappointing is that both of these women, Aisha Curry, Gabrielle Union, um, uh, Megan Good, before before that, before she got divorced, these are all women who are self-professed Christians. And if this is what the Christian community is producing, women who are who are in rebellion to God's order, who do not value modesty who do not have self-control, who are given to too much wine and too, too strong drink, who think that their beauty is in how they adorn themselves on the ex exterior and not 
um, the condition of their spirit on the interior, then we're in trouble. Because that means when a, when a young guy who's trying to take his faith seriously goes into, you know, your, your average church in, in his neighborhood, and he's saying, oh, I want to I wanna get me a nice Christian wife and we can build and so on and so forth. He doesn't realize that he's signing up for, he's, he is signing up to, sign, to fight a civil war in his own house because he's thinking about the union and she's fighting for the rebels. And then he's going to wonder why our, our children are suffering. And I, and I think that's what you're seeing playing out in a lot of these uh, relationships, particularly with these, with these Hollywood types is that the spirit of, re- of rebellion has rested heavy on these households, and these guys feel completely powerless to do anything about it. Thank you, D. Great job. Uh, you can email Thank you, Jason. me and us, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Hit those likes. We need 5,000 likes on today's show. Make sure you're going to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. We need you here in Nashville with us on April 15th. Don't go anywhere. Shamika Michelle, next. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle. Shamika, I need your reaction, your thoughts on Sierra uh, getting virtually naked at an Oscars post party, uh, standing next to Russell Wilson as he's fully clothed. She's virtually naked. It, it, it seems like Sierra is longing for a different lifestyle than that of a wife to a multimillionaire NFL quarterback who pro- professes a sincere faith in God. I, it, 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 I don't think she's happy with that life and seems to be pulling a different direction. But I'm a man. Don't let me mansplain the actions of a woman. Uh, could you please, woman, explain what's going on here with Sierra? So, Jason, I tweeted that the only man I've ever been with that would have allowed me to go out like this peed in the bed. So I just don't feel like Russell is hitting it right. And yesterday we talked about me, you know, being a stripper years ago, and we didn't talk about how I got out of it. The reason I stopped was because the guy I was dating at the time, I don't know if he got wind that that's what I was doing or God, you know, revealed it to him. But we had a conversation and in the conversation, he said to me, if I ever find out you're doing that, I would never talk to you again. And because of the respect that I had for him and the love that I had for him, I stopped cold turkey, like Golden Corral, are you hiring? Because he was not willing to allow his woman to be out here showing her body and doing those type of things. You know, it's the same man that introduced me to Shaharazad Ali while I've been port free um, for 29 years because he wanted to show me something better and was not willing to just accept anything from me. Fast forward to my book cover that, you know, I did seven years ago. We've talked about that. I said it was art. I thought it was done tastefully. And the person that I was with then, he actually uh, 
edited the photo. He had no problem with it. He had no problem bowing down to what I wanted. And Jason, as much as I am, you know, I, I agree in women being submissive. I understand our role here on earth and why God designed us and our purpose. I got a little shark in me. You know, if I smell blood, it's over with. And this man allowed me to do what I want, wear what I want, to the point that I even pushed him to say, you know, I, I'm not happy sexually, so I'm going to sleep with another man. And he said, well, you know, okay, you know, uh, as long as we can still be together, like no matter what I did, he just wanted to bow to me and for us to still be together. Although his mouth was saying, okay, I can do it. I can handle that. You know, uh, I don't like it, but it's just what I got to deal with. I watched him crumble, crumble because his mouth was saying he could handle that, but his manhood could not handle that. So as much as Russell is, is standing next to Sierra in that picture, I'm, I'm no psychic. You know, I'm not Miss Cleo, but I think if he really is not in agreement with it, we'll begin to watch Russell crumble because there's no way a man in his right mind would actually just put his his woman out there like that and be okay with it. He'll start to crumble and he looks like a simp, you know, uh, not putting his foot down. But I think that's Hollywood. They got to pretend like it's okay. I remember Jada Pinkett uh, Smith, Miss Jada Bell, going out sometimes very revealing, doing what she, she wanted to do. When Will sat at that red table, he acted like he was okay with the fact that she was sleeping with his son's um, friend. But we watched Will last year at the Oscars crumble. And so that'll be Russell's uh, fate if he doesn't, you know, put his foot down. You know, we've already seen Russell crumble on the football field. Many of us were shocked at Russell Wilson's play last year. He looked nothing like the quarterback who was a Hall of Famer uh, in Seattle last year in Denver. He was horrendous. And so he, he perhaps already is paying a mental price on the football field and his play has declined. This is, you know, it, it's, it's something I hadn't given a lot of thought to. Uh, Steve Kim is fond of, of calling Russell Wilson, Russell weirdo. And, and maybe it is Sierra who's bringing out the weird in Russell Wilson. Again, I don't think he's ever been the coolest guy or the, you know, the most, sound guy in the world because I, I, I go back that first wife was the indicator to me that, that that's what Russell likes that's what he married that's what he likes and and then he goes a completely different direction with Sierra next thing you know Russell Wilson is trying to lean into the cool side of Russell Wilson and the dark side. Russell Wilson's a little nerdy football player and and he should be stay in that lane and, and get some woman that just wants to be a help meet. Instead, he's, gone, he, he's one of these people that bought it. You can have it all. You can have a, a wife who has this 
uh, career with all these demands that are inconsistent with your values and still have your values. She, she's making a fool out of him. And I think the crumbling part that you're predicting, we've already seen evidence of in his football performance. We've never seen him play as poorly as he did last season. Yeah, it's inevitable, Jason. Like that just does something to a man's manhood. You know, you're supposed to wash your wife with the word and present her faultless or blameless to yourself. And we're not seeing that from Russell. It seems like Sierra is living more of a single life now than she did when uh, she was singing, he likes the way I ride it. You know, she now is not looking like a woman to me who is happily married, who has three beautiful children that she's trying to raise and, and show them the right way. Like she has a daughter. These things, she should have already done that when she was this single pop star, you know, pop R&B, whatever. She should have already gotten that out of her system. And if she was with a man who was really doing what he's supposed to do at home, let me tell you, she would be waking up in the morning, making breakfast. She would be making sandwiches for lunch during the day. What you want for dinner, baby? Your beer is cold, whatever he likes. That's what she would be doing if he was really putting it down. Instead, she's out here talking about, you know, having a single out, talking about she don't need a man and get on her team. Russell better tighten up or he's going to be looking real crazy. This next season is going to be worse than the one he just had because it's an insult to his manhood. He won't be able to stand up under that. He's God didn't design men for that. He just didn't. Last thing I want you to react to, here's a clip of Russell and Sierra at a prison singing gospel songs and then juxtapose that to Russell at an Oscars party with his wife half naked. Let's watch Russell sing some gospel music. How you go from that to being half naked or not even 90% naked on a, on a red carpet? I, I don't know how you could you can do both of those. You can't and be a Christian. You know, there's a scripture in Revelation that says, I wish thou were cold or hot. 
but thou art neither cold nor hot. And because thou art lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Russell looks like this is where he wants to be. And this is the life that he would love to live. I wonder why he didn't put his uh, put Sierra in that outfit and tramp her in front of those men who ain't touched a woman in some years. If you was really about that life, Russell, you would have said, no, put, put that on for the prisoners. They want to see all that glory too. Don't, don't just do it for the elite and at the Oscars. Let's do it for the prisoners too. Let's show them that type of love. No, that's not what he wants from his woman, but that's that type of lifestyle is not enough for her. It's not good enough for her. It's not good enough for her to have a man who wants to serve God and who wants to actually give back. And it's not good enough for her to have a man where she doesn't even have to worry about anything. He's taking care of not just the children they had biologically, but the one she brought in. That's not enough for her. It should be but you can tell by her actions, it's not enough. And Russell is bowing down and, and letting him, her lead him. And he's looking foolish to everybody. There's a scripture, Proverbs, I think it's 31, that talks about a virtuous woman that says the woman should bring honor to her man that he should have honor amongst those at the at the city gates. She's not bringing honor to Russell. Nobody is looking at Russell and saying, yeah, that's, that's the type of wife I want that parades herself around and is dancing naked in videos. And no, he, she's not bringing him honor. So when it comes to being a Christian, she is out of order. And Russell is out of order for not putting his foot down. You can't have a Jezebel spirit without an Ahab spirit. Thank you, Shamika. Great job. Uh, make sure you guys are hitting the likes, hitting the subscribes, hitting the notifications. We need 5,000 likes on today's show. Uh, don't go anywhere. The Korean Cell next. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Los Angeles and bring in our man, Steve Kim. Although I think I just unplugged my, I won't be able to hear Steve. Maybe now I can. Uh, let's roll out to Los Angeles, bring in my main man, Steve Kim. Uh, Steve Kim, the playmaker, Michael Irvin, uh, held a press conference today. Uh, in, late last night, early this morning, news, Michael Irvin withdraws his lawsuit against Marriott without prejudice, and then we come to find out he only withdrew it so he could file it in the proper courts, in the proper state, in the proper place. He held a press conference today where uh, they showed uh, the video of his interaction with the young Marriott, or I don't know where she's young, the female Marriott employee, uh, and, and the lawsuit is back on. His lawyers, I thought, uh, based off of what I could see on the video. For, let's play the video of his lawyer showing the videotape of the interaction so we're all on the same page and we've all seen the same stuff and the new information that was revealed today. Let's watch uh, Michael Irvin's lawyer, his Johnny Cochran, uh, do some work here. Pause one second. 
and we've been going for a while. We're having a lot of conversation. As, as Marriott released in their statement, they said basically, he said one word to her, an offensive, vulgar thing that he did not say. It's clear from the video and from these witnesses. But they have a very lengthy conversation, and no one's trying to tell us what that is. Go ahead. So we can't hear what's being said, but it's, I don't know, it's two minutes of interaction. What can you say in two minutes? It doesn't match the story that Marriott gave. Obviously, we can't hear what's happening, but watching that tape, what's it make you think about Michael Irvin's situation with Marriott? Yeah, you know, I broke that thing down frame by frame like the Zupruder film. So at the end, who was that man behind that grassy knoll? Why was that guy agitated? Was he a boyfriend? Was he an acquaintance? Was he a manager? Was he a Jerry Rice fan, hardcore 49er fan who did not want her interacting with the playmakers? You never know. But again, as he said, without the sound, uh, which really provides the context of the interaction, um, we don't know if he's going to be the paid maker just yet. I think a lot of assumptions are being made. But uh, look, in the beginning, early this morning, when it was tweeted out there that Michael had basically uh, taken back his filing, I said, oh, geez, maybe he wasn't being truthful. Then it turns out he's refiling the case in the proper jurisdiction. I think he's got to be ready to fight for his life. I really do. Not his life, but at least his career and his reputation. And we all know his reputation, but I'm talking about now. Um, I push back on people when they keep bringing up the stuff he's done in the past. That's what he did. It's a fact. It's a part of his history. But you know what? In my view, it has nothing to do with what took place that particular night. Now, 
Will his actions of the past and his behavior back in the 90s with the White House and everything else like that, will that be a cloud over him? Yes, that's, that's the way it works in public life as a celebrity. But in terms of this legal case, if Michael Irvin wants to move on with his career, and it's been a highly lucrative, successful one, he has to be willing to go all the way to the end and battle this. I think that he is. He has no choice. I watched the tape, and look, I, I, I've laid my biases out there. I'm a huge Michael Irvin fan. I, I think he's a great person. I really do. Flawed. He's flawed and, you know, not dismissing his trouble in the past. And, and Michael certainly has a flirtatious spirit that can get him in the trouble. But I'm I like Michael Irvin. I think he's a man of integrity. I think he's well-intentioned. So saying all that to say, I watched that tape and I'm just, I just don't see sexual harassment. I just don't see sexual assault for sure. I just don't see anything then the, the worst case scenario that I can come up with is an awkward encounter that should be chalked up to an awkward encounter, no harm, no foul, everybody move on. That's what I see. I've told you my biases, you know who I'm rooting for, I put it all out there. But I, I just don't see enough I, I, and again, maybe it's I'm old and I just remember people, you know, and, and we should have played this tape. Did, did you see the thing where Desmond Howard put out a video of he had some awkward engagement with a guy on a plane, on a flight on American Airlines? Did you see that? No. Steve? No. Yeah. Check no. Desmond Howard's Twitter feed. It's some guy didn't want to be seated next to him on a flight because Desmond Howard was coughing and the guy said, hey, you're sick. And he said something to a flight attendant, hey, can you move this guy? He's sick, I don't wanna sit next to him. Desmond Howard's wearing a mask, the guy's wearing a mask. I don't wear a mask on airplanes, I don't wear a mask. But, but anyway, to, Desmond Howard recorded a video while he's on the plane complaining about this guy and then played the race card on the guy. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, not everything needs to be turned into an international issue. People, human beings have awkward, uncomfortable engagement. And, 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 and some of it, we just gotta, ah, that's a bad moment, tolerate and move on. It doesn't change our life. And, and I just don't see in two minutes of video there, anything that had any ramifications on that woman's life that justifies her trying to ruin this guy's career. I, I just don't understand how we haven't moved to a no harm, no foul, or how we got away from no harm, no foul. Every awkward engagement has some kind of racial implications or at least people uh, terribly scarred and, and we must seek revenge against that person. That's my take on the Michael Irvin deal. Well, going back to Desmond real fast, are we sure that guy wasn't an Ohio State fan? I mean, still sore for the Heisman pose. I, first of all, if they're both both wearing masks right now in 2023 at this time and place, right, uh, they're both neurotic. They're two peas in a pod. They probably get along better than anyone would know. 
unless the guy's a Buckeye fan. Now, as for Michael Irvin, moving forward, let's say this is settled. He gets his job back. He's going to be back on the road. He's going to be entertaining us on first take and NFL Network. This is what Michael has to do. I know it's, it's I know he's a gregarious, personable guy, but for his own safety and his own career reliance, here's what he has to do. Two things. He's either got to get a S1W crew. Well, I don't know what Professor Griff is doing, but surround him. So anytime he walks in public in between gigs, get like a secret service, have like the flanks out there guarding, you know, guarding his side. You know, if someone wants an interview or picture, hand it to him, pat everyone down or or get like a Pope mobile. Get like a Pope mobile. And so like wherever he goes, get like one of those scooters, but put like glass around it. So, like, you know, he could just wave to people. He can give dap through the glass. But but no more of this. No, no, more, no more personal interactions with the females. The femme fatale thing, it's not good, Michael. Michael, you've had your time in place. Come on. This is a sign. So we got to get the playmaker mobile. Like, no more interactions. Just, you know what? Next, If I ever see him at a hotel and I say, hey, Michael, he just ignores me, I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to be like, Michael, you're learning. Good job, playmaker. And I'm going to enjoy him. Every Monday on on first take throughout the summer, but it's it's a harsh solution. But this is what I've come up with, Whitlock. You're basically telling him to adopt my public persona, and and oh, because you're you mobbed know, all the have time. Have everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but have everybody call you aloof and yeah. and a jerk, and and because dude, I'm I'm afraid of people. I, I'm I'm yeah. afraid of. What's happening to Michael Irvin? And so it's just not worth the risk. And, you know, I keep things very buttoned up. And, you know, it, it, it makes me seem weird and odd. But and it's, a, it's not the way to go through life. You want to be Charles Barkley and everybody never meet a stranger and all that. But it's just when you got a target on your back, and Mike has one, and I certainly have one, I just... I, I just keep it real buttoned up and deal with the complaints. I'm with you. There's a reason why I like the earphones with the wiring because I have it on all the time, especially at airports or if I don't want anyone to talk to me, I've always said the earphones are not for what you listen to. It's who you don't want to hear. To me, this is like a human version of a do not disturb sign. So if I'm walking through the lobby and I'm kind of in a mood, don't want to talk to anybody and people call out my name, and if they have an issue with it, I can, oh, sorry, yeah, listening to Billy Ocean. You know, Billy Ocean, yeah, Caribbean girl, love this song. Didn't hear you. You know, something like that. And so <laughs> it's really great, especially when you work out. Um, you know, and look, I'm not averse to sharing equipment. If a guy wants to work in, go ahead. But if, if the guy all of a sudden, you know, wants to have a conversation about pound for pound, the best heavyweights of the 50s, look, this squat rat isn't going to move itself. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah, got Stevie B's greatest hits on. Can't hear a thing you say. So it's really, again, it's not about what you listen to. It's about who you don't want to hear. So Michael also get the earbuds. Get pretty good set for about $27. High quality. It's like the Hollywood Bowl in your ear. Steve, you're going to keep it tight today. That's all I got uh, for you. Thank man, you so okay. much. Next time I oh, want to talk Is there something to you wanted to squeeze in? Yeah, I sent you this yesterday. I guess Disney has this movie called Chang Can Duck Dunk. And I'm like, unless an Asian's as tall as Yao Ming, we're not dunking anything. So that Disney movie must have come from Fantasyland. And to all the Asian kids out there, 
Just keep dunking your English exams and your trigonometry exams. You're not going to the NBA. You're never dunking anything unless it's on a hurt, Nerf hoop. So that's my message to all the young crouching tigers out there from Uncle Steve. Anyway, go ahead, close the show. We're done here. I'm done. I'm done with my show. Keep it tight today. Thank you. That's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Bless. We are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free.